0: .fm or download the free Anchor app to get started.
1: This
2: segment is brought to you by Jigmaster Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and use promo code PNF20 and save 20% off your next jig order today
1: welcome to the bass kayak and Beer segment of the paddle and pin network it's your host armando solan and on this segment we kick back with a special guest and talk about life kayak fishing and the pursuit of big bass so get your cold brews on and enjoy the show Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to the Bass Kayak and Beers Network, presented by Douglas Rods. Go check out douglasoutdoors.com and check out their full lineup of baitcasting, spinning, and even fly fishing rods, some of the best rods in the business, top-of-the-line stuff. So go check them out. douglasoutdoors.com to find the nearest authorized dealer to you. Today we have a very special guest, uh, Mason Good, a young stud who made some moves in the KBBT. He's no stranger to the tournament scene. We're getting to know him, and you're going to start hearing his name. If you haven't already, um, make some noise on the KBBT and other future tournaments. Wherever he goes, I'm pretty confident this dude is going to make um uh, some noise and you're gonna hear a lot from him so mason thank you so much for tuning into or i'm sorry not tuning in but coming into my podcast bass kayak and beers i really appreciate it how are you how's the family
2: good good thank you for having me
1: no problem man. my pleasure so uh, mason tell us a little bit about yourself for those people they may not know you they may not know you sorry um i know you're pretty young and you're pretty new to the tournament scene um, you made uh, your big, uh, big splash on the KBBT, team, the national qualifier. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, where are you from? You know, how you got into fishing to begin with? How you, you know, how that transferred to kayak fishing? And, uh, you know, your love and passion for kayak fishing.
2: Uh, I grew up in the same town I live in. It's Avoca, Iowa, pretty small town, uh, southwest corner of Iowa. I started fishing at a real young age. My dad, and my uncles, kind of got me into it, and uh, it was just something we like to do. Like to be in the outdoors, um, hang out on the lake for most of the day. That's it's kind of what we did. So I started fishing real young. Um, I kind of I got into kayak fishing. I would say three years ago. It would have been the the year after I graduated high school. And uh, I started, I did one semester of college. And it's so, like, that's kind of when I really got into the kayak fishing. I really got into fishing, like, heavy for myself my senior year of high school. And uh, just kept going from there. Um, I started out with a... Mass Pro Ascend FS10, 10-foot small kayak. And then, beginning of last year, when I got into my first tournament, um, right before I got into my first tournament, I decided I needed something a little bit bigger than a a 10-foot sit-in side kayak. So, I upgraded and I bought a Jackson Kusa FD.
1: Nice.
2: Uh, I like the kayak the most part it was a great kayak very stable durable the only thing i didn't like about it was like the prop it had the the fan blade spins and around here with all the hydrilla and grass and weeds in the lake it kind of made it a pain so uh the beginning of this year i upgraded to a hobie pa12 nice and uh so that's kind of that's what i'm fishing out of now
1: Awesome. How do you like, uh, your Hobie compared to your Kusa?
2: I love it. It's, yeah. I feel like, like the deck space is so much bigger. Like yeah. you're not packed in there. Your feet have room to move. And then, uh, yeah. the fins, the fins are just so much nicer than like a, a propeller
1: type blade. Yeah. I agree. I do the the Hobie outback myself and, um, uh, East Texas lakes like um, um, Athens uh, they're really grassy from, I mean, from top to bottom, yeah. um, it makes it, the fins makes it so much easier than going through a propeller. Nothing wrong with the Kusa or any other kayaks. There's, you know, there's, that's the beauty about this sport. You know, there's a kayak for everyone out there. I'm not trying to put down anyone yeah, or, you know, and I'm not sponsored by Hobie, but I really like that. And that's something, you can highlight about the the hobby that fins make it a lot easier for an angler to go through grass. Um, so it, it may not be a big difference if you you know live somewhere um, high up in the mountains like Utah or other places where you you know you don't have a lot of grass. But when you have grassy lakes, it really does make a difference. So cool, man, that's awesome. So you were talking about your your first tournament or your debut as a tournament angler. Which one was it?
2: Uh, so, my first tournament was through my local club of Iowa Kayak Anglers. Uh, it, was, it was a rough tournament. We, uh, we went to a place called Lake Icaria, and it was like, I want to say it was, it was middle of April. Like, I believe it was like April 18th or something. And so, when we launched on the lake, it was 22 degrees outside. Oh my God. So, <laughs> 5 a.m., 22 degrees outside. It warmed up throughout the day, but yeah. uh, it was so hard. We had, if I remember correctly, we had like almost 70 anglers sign up for wow. the tournament. Yeah, it was probably one of our biggest tournaments, I believe, if I remember that correctly. Uh, so, like, we had a lot of anglers. Um, and I think only 12 people caught fish. No. Yeah, so like, it, was, it was a crazy day. And that was, that was my first tournament ever, my first live tournament. And it just, I don't know, it kind of, I'm almost kind of glad it happened that way. Mm-hmm. So, like, I was looking forward to the next one. I was waiting for the next one to happen. Then the next one came, and it was so much more fun. And it wasn't that cold, and I caught fish, and so then after that, I just wins the next live tournament, and like it just kept, it kept wanting me to scratch that itch for wins the next live tournament.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah. Those uh, the big props to and kudos to you guys in Iowa. I mean, 22 degrees. I live in Texas. You open a a tournament with 22 degrees. You ain't got no Texas kind of thing. I'm like, nope. We're starting around noon.
2: (laughs) Yeah, five a.m. twenty-two degrees. Yeah, that's crazy. I was wearing snow pants, boots, and a Carhartt coat.
1: Damn, that's crazy, man. But hey, I mean, you can't always be a fair weather fisherman. You know, that's that's the thing about kayak fishing. You know, if you want to, if you want to really grasp and enjoy it, you know, I feel kind of bad when you see all this fair weather whether it's boat fishermen or bank fishermen or kayak fishermen only go when it's nice. You're missing out on a lot of more stuff. You know, the challenge, you know, you, you stack the odds against you. And when you get that fish, even if you don't win the tournament, but just catching a fish, man, it, it's the, the reward you get out of like, man, I braved the elements. I, you know, I went head to head with mother nature and I caught a fish. It's awesome, man. I like it. Um, so big props to you. I'd be honest. I don't think I would have gone to 5 a.m. for 22 degree uh, weather. But, hey, um, when you live in Iowa, you know, that's what yeah. you got to do. Well, fortunately, we don't, we don't have many of those days over here. So you uh, made your name for yourself here in the national qualifying, the KBBT. Now, was this your first KBB tournament?
2: No. Uh, I did the May bracket. That was no their, second, their second one, the May bracket. I got in yep. on that. Uh, I was knocked out by a fellow iowan Tyler Cole and
1: Tyler I Cole, a, yeah, very good
2: I had I think a 93 and a half inches that day wow and I got knocked out to his 98 and a half and uh Jeez. yeah so that was a that was a rough one but uh, then after that I partnered up with uh, Jeremy Brandis Mm-hmm. and him and i fished the kbbt team event and uh we went out in the first round against Derek brundle and matthew conant
1: that's a tough matchup
2: yeah yeah and that was a rough one too because jeremy went out there and fished phenomenal both days and i just i was catching fish Most of the day on both days, I just couldn't find any big ones. Like I was stuck on like a 16-inch pattern. Mm. uh, So we got knocked out first round on that one. And then uh, this last one, the qualifier, was my third
1: tournament with KBBT. That was pretty good showing too. Before we get into that, um, on the May bracket, what round you got knocked off? I
2: think... I think it was the third round.
1: Third round. That so that
2: the the 128 anglers.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, think, that was a big one,
2: yeah. I believe it was the third round.
1: Yeah, it's nothing to sneeze about. And again, you put how many did you say? 94
2: or something? I think it was 93 and a half. 93 and a half. Yeah. To his Yeah, that's and a half.
1: Yeah, that's nothing to hang your head down. With. I mean, you you yeah. got to be proud of that number. It's like when you put up a number like that, I mean, you fully expect that you're going to win. Yeah, yeah. Especially if you're in Iowa. If you're in Texas, you'll say, like, eh, I got a little bit more than 50-50. But in Iowa, yeah. you must have been thinking you had this in the bag, right? Were you surprised so, when you saw that you didn't, you know? Now, you didn't know. Because I know you guys, um, between yourself, you'll, some of you guys will text each other and let each other know. So, and you keep it hush hush. You know, but when the reveal comes, it's not a surprise to you because maybe you already um, talked to your um, fellow competitor. Now, was that the case or were you just going blind into the reveal show?
2: No. uh, Tyler Cole and I were talking back and forth most of the day. And so he kind of he told me what he had, because uh, at one point he was sitting at ninety three and a quarter and I caught a big fish. I think it was. Like 21 and a half and so i got up to 93 so i was like super pumped i was like i'm only a quarter inch behind we can still do this and uh he texts me like probably a half hour after the boards went down and said hey i just cold six inches like six inches so uh yeah we were we were talking back and forth and I knew what he had. He knew what I had, even after the boards went down. So, uh, but here in Iowa, we do that. We, yeah. Even if we're going against each other, if you were to say, Hey dude, what do you got? I'm sitting at this, this number. They're going to tell you like, that's just how, how close we are and how we do things.
3: Yeah. That's cool.
1: I mean, it doesn't, I mean, I know Greg would like the reveal show to be for, for the fans and the audience, but with with, between you and the, your fellow competitor there's I mean there's nothing wrong with that. But definitely yeah. how how did you feel knowing like man I just put up ninety three inches and I'm not and I'm being knocked out. Was that like were you disappointed or were you just proud of yourself and because at that point you just say, hey man, I mean I did what I did. I mean you can't be disappointed in your showing. Obviously yeah. you're only disappointed that you didn't go to the next round. But how yeah. did you feel when you found out? It was
3: To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month go to mintmobile.com/ waypoint that's mintmobile.com/ waypoint cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com/ waypoint additional taxes fees and restrictions apply see mint mobile for details
2: it was mainly like I was happy with uh, how much I put up because Especially that was earlier in the year, and I was 93 inches. That was a great day, so I wasn't hanging my head low. But like in the back of my head, I was just thinking, Tyler Cole, like, come on, what is with you, man? And uh him and I go back and forth about that all the time. He gives me crap, and <laughs> I give him crap about it because that was he tied his best single day showing at 98 wow. and a half inches, and uh, so I was like, you just happened to. Put out your best day the one day you're going against me and uh so yeah we we give each other grief about it but <laughs> it's
1: all good friendly trash talk right
2: exactly that's what it is
1: so okay so fast forward to the national qualifier uh let's go round by round um, if you can remember because i know there was a lot of rounds on this and it, it, it was and when you look back that was the first one was what about a month and a half ago yeah so yeah. So, first round, how was the first one for you? Uh,
2: so, I was thrown into the bracket very last minute. Um, okay. i to say, so the first Saturday, we're round one on that first Saturday, I got into the bracket the Thursday before. hmm So, it was just a few days, and I was fishing the Hobie event on uh, the Mississippi River Pool 789.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so they text me and they're like, hey, we had somebody drop out. Are you cool to go in the bracket? And I immediately said yes. And uh, then I kind of sat there and I was like, well, shoot, I'm going to be on the river. I don't know if I'm going to put up over 80 inches, so this might be a tough one. And I was also thrown in on the east side of the bracket instead of the west. Side. Yeah. And uh, so week one. Um, I fished the Hobie event, and we had to be off the water by 2 p.m., and if you cast after 2, you can get disqualified. So I had two hours cut off right away at the end of the day. But uh, I put up 75 inches, I believe it was. And Let me see. I actually have it
1: here somewhere. 70, I think it's yeah, 74. So uh, my, yeah, 75 and a quarter you got.
2: It. Yep, so 75 and a quarter, and my opponent only put up one fish so uh that that kind of helped me out get to get me through uh week one uh since he only put up one fish and i did catch 75 inches uh helped me get past round one
3: awesome
1: that's not bad i mean were you were you just even though you passed through the next one were you kind of disappointed considering everything you know like you mentioned you got you lost two hours because it, you're in the Hobie. Um, you're fishing on a river, which you probably would have, I'm assuming going by what you said, you probably would have fished you know, a lake or quote unquote, a honey hole. So yeah. were you, dis- were you um, even though you passed on, like at the end of the day, by the time lines were out for you for the, K- for the Hobie and KBBT, um, did you already knew by talking to the other angler that you were going to pass or you had no idea on this case?
2: No, I, I didn't have any idea. Uh,
1: How comfortable were you that you were going to pass when you, you know, you considered, oh, 74 quarter?
2: I, I looked at it and I was like, ah oh, that's not very much. But I really wasn't paying that close attention to it because I knew he posted one fish early in the day and then didn't post anything else. And I saw a couple other guys um, on the east bracket. I looked at their numbers, and they really didn't have anything posted either. So I was kind of assuming he only caught one fish, but I didn't Mm -hmm. really know. And I also thought about it. I was like, well, I kind of jumped in the bracket at the last minute. Like, I'm on the east side. I don't know how far I'm even going to make it. So, like, it wasn't a big deal. Plus, I was kind of – I was hanging out with all the Iowa guys at the Hobie event. Yeah, it's like just talking to them, doing our uh, like uh, tournament identifier stuff, and yeah, I just it didn't even cross my mind. I kind of didn't
1: even. Think yeah, you about were just soaking in the hobby bos kind of thing, you know, yeah. not paying because yeah. at that point it's more about the camaraderie with the fellow anglers yeah. of Iowa. You know, you're in your your kind of like your zone. So KBBT, no disrespect, but it's an afterthought right now because you're you're in a live tournament, you know. Yeah, so I get yeah. I get that, yeah. I see that. Now we're going to the second round. That's when you started catching fire, right? You put 89 inches on the second round.
2: Yep, yeah. Uh the sec second round I went back to uh my honey hole, my mm-hmm. home spot, and uh yeah, I put up 89 inches and I I felt pretty pretty comfortable with that. And yeah, was I just Dish and had a fun day, and then by the time it was time to get off the water, I was good to go, and I was pretty confident.
1: Awesome. And then after that is, uh, I think from there that was the Sweet 16, where you put ninety eight and a quarter inch How did that feel? That How was that day for you.
2: That one felt great because uh, I was going up against Matthew Conant. and yeah.
1: great like, angler, by the way.
2: Yeah, very good angler. Uh, yeah, he's he's a great angler and on a teams bracket, uh Jeremy Brandis and myself lost to Matthew Conant and Derek Brundle. So I was thinking I gotta put up a huge number to beat Matthew Conant. And if I can beat Matthew Conant, then I'm gonna face Derek Brundle. So I gotta beat Derek Brundle too. So it was kinda like uh I wanted to do it just because they beat us in the team tournaments. So yeah. I also like to, to kind of like uh, redeem myself a little bit since I did yeah. in the team tournament. And uh, yeah, I just I went out there and my lake I know has those big numbers and I knew I could do that. And I, I went out in the morning and I just the bite was on. Uh, the Big fish were eating and it worked out great for me.
1: Awesome. Now, by then, you now you're going to the lead. You know you're going to face Derek Brundle, which is one of the best anglers out there. No disrespect to you and and any of the other competitors, but Derek Brundle, you know, has made a name for himself out there. But now you have put up, you have not. You weren't going head to head, but your numbers compared to Derek, you were overshadowing Derek Brundle. I mean. I think on the, on the Sweet 16, you – again, you weren't going head-to-head with him, but you caught like four or five inches. Your back was like four or five inches more than, than his. And then on um, the next one, that's when you put 98. He put up a decent number. But in total, I mean, when you look at the measurements, you were going way ahead of Derek Brundle. You had to – even though you're going against Derek Brundle, you had to feel good about your chances facing Derek Brundle. How did you feel when you, when you like, okay, now I got Derek Brundle? Was it, let me ask you this, was it intimidating for you or did you just saw Derek Brundle as any other Angler competitor?
2: Uh, A little bit of both. Like I I looked at Derek Brundle as any other guy, uh, any other person I have to face, I got to go against him. But at the same time, I was a little intimidated because I know he's good. And I know, mm-hmm. like, I know I just beat Matthew Conant yep. and now to uh, kind of redeem myself from that team bracket, I got to beat both, both the guys on that opposite team. And, uh, so going into it, I was a little intimidated by that kind of put more pressure on myself than anything else. But, mm-hmm. uh, I talked to Derek Brundle a few days before the tournament and, uh, He's like, hey, I'm fishing a live event. I'm going to be lucky to put up 75 inches. He's like, I've been pre-fishing, and 75 inches is about about my max. So I was like, okay. And uh, I didn't go to my big fish honey hole. I went to a lake right next to it, and uh, I kind of took it easy. Um, I probably shouldn't have because it was a very close matchup, but, uh, yeah. I kind of took it easy. And, uh, so I was fishing and I got up to like 75 inches and, um, I was like, okay, he said, this is probably about where he's going to be at. So maybe I can just kind of, kind of fish around for a little bit, and not really fish hard. So, uh, I got off the water and I went and, uh, ate some food. I went up to the subway, got lunch and, uh, I was sitting there in the parking lot, eating my food. And I looked back down on the boards and he jumped up to 79 inches. So he was beating me mm-hmm. by four inches and I only had like three hours left of fishing. Mm-hmm. So then I kind of, I got into like a little bit of a panic mode. I was like, I need to get back out on the water right now and start fishing and not take it easy on this guy. Like I, should not have even thought about taking that light because he is Derek yeah. Rundle. Uh, so, yeah, you uh, took
1: your foot off the gas for a second there.
2: Yeah, yeah. And so I got back out on the water and um, I caught a few upgrades pretty quickly. I got up to, what was it, 83 inches. And yeah. uh, he got up to 81, uh, 81 and a quarter, something like that.
1: yeah um, uh let me look at it real quick but go ahead keep keep going i'm sorry i interrupted you there
2: no you're right uh so i had like i think it was like 83 something there and uh he had like 81 and uh he texted me and said hey i'm getting off the water uh my live event's over with and uh congrats on the win like you did good and so i congratulated him too on his uh, live tournament he placed fourth, so that was pretty good a o y points for him and uh so we talked for a few minutes and then uh he got off the water and I kind of fished around for another half hour or so and uh and then I got off the water and uh and then the reveal was kind of scary because last time I looked at the board, I had like 83 and he had 79. So I thought got I was, 83 and a half,
1: yeah.
2: yeah. So I was sitting at 83 and a half and he was sitting at 79. So I was like, okay, I got him by four and a half inches. Pretty good. And then so we get to the reveal and Greg's like, all right, Mason Good, Derek Brundle. Winner by three quarters of an inch. And I, mm. I was freaking out. I was like, wait a minute, did he like pull back a fish and post it at the end and did he beat me by three quarters of an inch? And uh, nope, that wasn't the case, thankfully. And I went back and I looked at the board again and I saw what he put up and uh, so it was fun to make it close and like interesting for the people watching only three quarters of an inch. That's not a lot. Yeah. So. That was fun, but I was also like, I was getting nervous because I thought maybe I blew this. Like, maybe I was out fishing too easy all day, and he did come back and take it from me. But luckily, I uh, I snuck past and I, I got to win on that one too.
1: Good. Did you you have did you learn anything from that? Because you really you let him off the hook for a second. Were you like, even if you want, even if you, you know you. You, you passed, um, but even after that, were you, kicking yeah. your, sorry, were you kicking yourself thinking, you know, this is not what champions do. You don't lift your foot off the gas. Not, yeah. You know, uh, and even, and even more so when it's a guy like Derrick Rundle. I mean, you just can't, right?
2: Yeah, I was. So kind of what I was thinking going into was I'm not going to fish my honey hole. I'm going to fish right next to it, and I'm just going to put up enough, enough to beat him So, the next week, I was figuring I was going up against Kyle Zemke for the final four. So, I was like, Kyle's been putting up consistent numbers in the low 90s. So, I need to save my fish and to to take on him. And so, that was what I went in. And then, yeah, after realizing it was that close and how I just fished easy and, like, didn't really have any... uh, um like execution factor yeah though you didn't have that killer instinct going in. yeah exactly i didn't have that and uh it almost cost me that tournament so
1: then after that you pretty much redeemed yourself putting up 99 and a half inches is that the biggest limit you've ever caught
2: yes that's my biggest single day limit
1: and then you were going against Kyle Samki, which at that point Kyle Samki was just slaying up and down. I mean, you and Kyle Samki were kind of like battling each other throughout, us, you know, for the best average. Kyle Samki was on a tear, yeah, um, yeah, and you just completely blew him out of the water. How did that feel?
2: Uh, I felt good. I kind of like I kind of felt bad because where I'm at, I was on the water, I think two hours before him. So I had 96 and a quarter inches before he even got on the water. Mm -hmm. And uh, so now being the final four, or the final four leading into the championship. uh, Honestly, I probably, cause I had 96 inches by like nine o'clock or something like that. I think it, eight o'clock when he got on the water I had like 94 and then by 9 30 I think I had 96 I by 10 o'clock I should have just got off the water and uh let those fish rest for the championship but I didn't I wanted to I wanted to put up the highest. you didn't want to make the didn't. same mistake basically. exactly and I was by 10 o'clock I was at 96 and uh I knew I'd there's more big fish in there my goal for that day was to hit 100 inches if like if kyle would have beat me but i got 100 inches it wouldn't have mattered my goal was to hit 100 inches period that was the only thing i was thinking about after nine o'clock yeah and i couldn't quite do it uh i tried i was out there until the very last minute uh trying to get that 100 inch mark and i just couldn't find that last half an inch.
1: You no, know, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, were you going to add something else? I apologize. No, no, no. That, uh, I wanted to go back to, okay, so that, that, um, that, um, that round with Derek Brundle, because, I mean, hindsight is always twenty twenty. but analyzing, talking to you now and analyzing, it, it's one of those things where one mistake didn't cost you, your round against Derek Brundle, but in a way, it kind of costs you your your final because now yeah. on one end you let the foot off the pedal and you realize how close you were to having that mistake cost you. So in the second tournament, now you're going against Semke, Now Semki is putting up big numbers. You're at ninety six and plus, and it's what ten a.m. You had to feel comfortable, and and you kind of touched on it. So I'm, I was thinking what well, before you even said it, and I was actually thinking. I'm glad you mentioned it. Was there any thought that says, "Hey, I got I qualified to the national championship. I'm already at 96 inches. And even though Simki has put up some numbers, your chances of passing to the final with 96 inches is it's pretty high. You know, it's it's going to be hard to beat. I know now you looking back at it you already you already answered this question but at the moment was there any thought to say hey man let's see just stop there roll my dice with 96 which is a pretty good hand to roll your dice with um and let the fish rest and then you know and 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 see if I can duplicate this the next day cuz that at that point it was back to back there wasn't yeah. a week 5 days in between one round or the other so was there any thought at that point when you were at 96 to say, should I lift? Should I take my foot off the pedal? No, I already did that with Barry Brando. It already cost me. I'm going full throttle. Take me through that mindset.
2: Yeah, so uh, <clears throat> going into –
3: to get 50% off.
2: Saturday, I was thinking, Zemke's gonna put up 94. If I get 96, I'm safe. If, if I get 96, I win. He, he's gonna put up 94 though, so I gotta get 96. And uh, by, I, right before 10 a.m., I hit the 96 and a quarter. And I did, I, kinda, I sat there in the middle of the lake and I was like, maybe I should just get off the water and let these fish rest. And just come back tomorrow. And I thought about it for a while. But at that point, I was like... "Derek Brundle, the station was going to
1: hunt you. Yeah,
2: I was like, you know what? No, I want to get 100 inches. Like, I want to get 100 inches in a single-day tournament. That was my goal. And so I kind of threw out the leave-in at 10 a.m. I threw that out the window. I probably should have done it. I probably should have left at 10 and uh, went back to that same spot in the championship. And this, it might have been a different story on Sunday. Sunday could have been a different story. Who knows? But yeah. uh, no, after I thought about it, I decided I want 100 inches in one day. And so that's kind of that's kind of how it went down. I didn't really think about the gamble of will 96 inches be good enough or not. I knew if I had 96 inches, I was going to win. But I wanted that 100-inch mark, and I just couldn't do it.
1: Now, you go into the finals. You're going to go against Marcus Coates, who I love Marcus Coates. He knows it. Um, but he did struggle, and he got fortunate during the early rounds. He was still trying to figure out his by Now, Marcus Cole is a great angler. Take nothing away from it. But he'll tell you himself, 77 and plus inches. Not enough to get you through any round, but he did. Um, yeah. And, you know, he got – I wouldn't say he got lucky because he's a great angler. But he was fortunate, to that this competition had a bad day. It wasn't like he was blowing competition of water. He had a few, you know, high uh, outliners out there that were really high. But I, at this point, you know, he's trying to figure stuff out. He's a, he has been a little bit inconsistent jumping from 76 to 90 to 80-plus. You go in from uh, 90, you know, from, from hitting the high 90s mark consistently. How do you feel your chances going into the final round against Marcus Coates?
2: So, well, one thing with, like, the, uh, like the 77 inches, it's really it, it's up, up to your competitor because yeah. I had the 75 inches on week one. And the yeah. only reason I got by is because my competitor only got one fish. Yeah. And Derek Brundle, I barely scraped by that one. So, uh, I wouldn't hold that against Marcus at all because I barely scraped by on two of the weeks for sure. And uh, we like to give him a little crap about it. It's fun. <laughs> but, uh, but still, I wouldn't hold, him, hold that against him at all. I know... Uh, the may bracket i i gave jeremy brandis a hard time because he was like 85 inches or something like that was kind of his average and he was just just kind of scraping by just like put up just enough inches to beat his opponent and in this type of bracket that's all you really have to do you don't have you don't have to put up 99 and a half inches it's you just got to beat your opponent, and no. if you beat your opponent by two inches or ten inches, it doesn't really matter. After that week's done, you got to think about the next week. So, uh, yeah, no, it's you just got to beat your opponent on him. But uh, going into that final weekend, I thought, I thought to myself, it's going to take more than ninety-four inches to beat Kyle Zempki. So if I get 96, I'll be safe. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: With Marcus, I thought it's going to take, he's going to get 91 inches, so I'm going to need 93 to beat him. So going into that weekend, I thought I needed to, I needed to fish my honey hole and fish as hard as I could on Saturday to beat Zemke. And if I did, then not saying Marcus was going to be easier, but I thought, I'm gonna need three inches less to beat him, and uh, that's that's kind of how the the mindset went in going in going into that weekend.
1: So, at when you when you're out there in the water for the final tournament, me and you and I talked about this uh, on the uh, pre-recording, and I had talked to Marcus about it. Um, just conversation, not necessarily in the podcast. You, we, me and I were talking about it. He felt that you that you know, you know, pressured yourself and that got you, you – that might have gotten you out of your game. Would, do you feel that you that that's the case, that you felt like the pressure of trying to win, you took decisions that you wouldn't, normally wouldn't have, you struggle with your confidence or something like that, or did you just feel this one of those things where you just – Overfish your honey hole and you were bound to have a, a, a you know, a, a bad day, which again, a bad day, I think it was like 89 inches, that day. I, I mean, it wasn't a really bad day, but compared to, you know, you had 84 and a half. So it wasn't necessarily the worst day, but it definitely wasn't the numbers that you had. So what do you think, what do you attribute to you not reaching at least that 90 inch benchmark?
2: Um, that one, so on Saturday, I burned out my honey hole. I, I did. I fished it 99 and a half inches. I burned it out. So going into Sunday, I was talking to some of my other uh, fellow Iowa anglers, and uh, I got a couple spots from them, <clears throat> places I'd never fished before. So that was kind of like a little bit out of my comfort zone for the championship was going to – I had two lakes picked out, and neither one of them I had ever been to so when i got to the first lake and the first lake is two hours east of me so i got there in the morning got launched at six uh fished at about eight o'clock um some storms are starting to roll in so i was kind of fishing through that a little bit and then uh like I had lightning all around me and like it was dark and it was windy and it was raining hard. And, uh, so I paddled back or pedaled back to the boat ramp and I was, I was going to go over to my second lake, which is, it was another half hour East. Uh, so that makes it two and a half hours East from where I live. And so I was going to go there and I looked at the radar and the storm that was at that first lake, was moving right to the second one. So right, right there is when I kind of started putting pressure on myself. Uh, I was trying to make a hard decision of do I stick around in eastern Iowa and wait for these storms to pass and go back out on these waters and try to, try to find those big fish, or do I drive – Two, two and a half hours back west to where I live and go to my honey hole. And that was a big decision uh, during a tournament. Did I make the right decision? I don't know. Um, Maybe if I would have stayed, I would have done better. Maybe I wouldn't have. Mm -hmm. But uh, I made the decision to drive back through the storm Uh, back to my honey hole and I got there and uh it was cloudy and kind of sprinkling all morning but at 10 o'clock when I got there the clouds went away the sun went straight up and uh so then that I think kind of put a little bit more pressure on me because I knew I just wasted two hours driving when I should have been fishing um I was, I was thinking I still had a chance. I just needed a couple big ones that I know are in there. Uh, I know those big fish are in there. I just needed, needed to get them to bite, but I knew it was going to be hard after putting up such a big l- limit as I did the day before. And the bite was slow. Like It was one bite every, I don't know, half hour or so. Like, it was a little bit slower than what I'm used to on that body of water. But I did catch, I think, two upgrades uh, right when I got there. And that kind of jumped me up in the leaderboard. So like, I was feeling good, but I wasn't feeling good enough to be comfortable. And I knew that as the day went on, the bite was just going to get a little bit harder and a little bit harder. And uh, I think that kind of got to me, too. I started... Started fishing my creature bait a little bit faster uh I was throwing a chatter bait I was reeling it in a little bit faster and uh I wasn't giving it the the time in the water that I kind of needed and so I do think I I did put a little bit too much pressure myself and uh moved my baits faster than what I should have
1: been to be getting that bite I think that's the uh especially when you're kind of new to kayak fishing or fishing in general, that's I think that's one of the things that it's the hardest to get used to, slowing down. I constantly, constantly, when I'm struggling, it's kind of talk to myself, slow down, slow down, going too fast, slow down, slow down. And a lot of times it works. One of the things that I found out early on when I was fishing is like, Sometimes I'll be out fishing on a bank or a kayak and I'll get a text message or an email or the wife would call, you know, or whatever. And so I, you know, leave the bait on the water and I like, you know, attend to whatever I am, you know, social media, whatever. A um, few seconds run by and then I move the bait and immediately, boom, I get ahead. And that kind of like has taught me, it's like you got to move slower, especially when it's high pressure, when the weather conditions are one extreme, either too hot or too cold you gotta, you've got to be more patient. It's not always easy. I mean, I, I mean, I love throwing a weightless ankle. Um, if I'm catching fish, but God, it, 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 it crushes my soul. <laughs> I agree. If I was me, yeah. I would be throwing jackhammers and chatter baits and just burning them. Especially yeah, when you, yeah. when, when you're frustrated, when you're not catching fish, you just want to lay that down, that hammer and Rip some hooks with the next hook set that you have, and you constantly have to like stay, stay within your game. You know, it's, and it's easier said than done. It's easier said than people say. Like, and it takes a lot of time and experience. Now, you for yourself, you're you've only been kayak fishing for three years. You said, and you're pretty young. we talked in the preacher, You're only twenty two years old. How do you think you've? Um, now you obviously this is reason, and you realize uh, now. In hindsight, that you're doing, you know, moving too fast. What do you plan to do to correct that in the future? Because there are going to be times where you're going to be struggling. There's, everybody goes through that, every single one of them. So at one point, you're going to go through a tournament and you're going to struggle again. What is, have you thought about what are you going to do to make sure you don't make those mistakes of fishing it too fast?
2: Yeah. Uh, one thing I did that I, I do kind of think helped. I think I just did it a little bit too late mm-hmm. was I, I went up to the bank and I, I got out of my kayak and I kind of, I walked up the bank and just kind of like looked up at the sky, just like to get the, get the sun coming down on me, and just kind of yeah. there, took a deep breath, blew a deep breath out and walked back over to the kayak and kind of got back in the water. And, I think just like that that deep breath of air in and then just like blowing it out kinda mm. kinda like makes your body step back a little bit and be like, all right, it's time to calm down, time to clear your mind. Just just start fishing. Yeah. And uh, I, I did do that, but I think by the time I'm a little did that, too late. I, yeah, I only had one hour left and uh it was just too little, too late. But it, it definitely did help, I believe. I, I noticed when I was coming back with the chatterbait, I was going a little bit slower. I was being more patient with it. Um, I wasn't rushing it. Where before, I, I was and I knew I was. and I, I kept telling myself, slow down, slow down.
1: Mm-hmm. But
2: just because I said it in my head, I wasn't actually doing it.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's something that it snowballs, man. And every class, yeah. you're just going faster. You, can, it's just the frustration, just snowballs. One, we've all been there, man. And uh, it's that's the beauty about the sport, though. It's not. There's a lot of mind games that go. You know, there's so many. One thing that I love about kayak fishing is like, and I guess you can. I played a little bit of golf, and you can compare a little bit. There are some similarities in the sense that at golf, you're never winning. You know, you. All you do is you're playing against yourself, you know. Um, yeah. Winning would be getting a hole in one on every single one of them kind of thing. So that, fishing at best, you're getting what? A bite every... I mean, there are times where the bites on fire every cast seems like you get a bite. But for the most part, you're fishing a four six-hour tournament out of 100 casts, you're getting five fish, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is just same numbers, but kind of like... To give you give those listeners an idea, so it's one of those things. There's a lot that goes into the pre planning, um, scouting, um, Google Maps, um, uh, figuring out where the structure is, finding fish, um, marking them on your graph if you have one. Um, You know, if if you're in a lake or a river, how was did they open the dime? Is there any current? Did they did they, well, how was the weather for the last three days? How is today? Is there any big changes? Is there a cold front? What the what the water clarity is? What time of the year it is? Is it post spawn, pre spawn? Are they getting ready to hibernate? Are they coming out of hibernate? Are they hungry? It's there's so much stuff, and then add to add all on top of that is the mind game that you have to. Play with yourself—that psyche that you have to like. Man, I have to like psych myself up or psych myself down to fish slower. It is—it's very interesting, and I love it because um, you always there's always gonna be something out there. You're never gonna beat fishing, kind of thing, yeah. right? You're always gonna have a challenge out there. You're never gonna be the one that wins every single tournament. You never, you always, there's always going to be days where you're going to struggle. No matter how good you are, there is bound to be a day where you're going to skunk. Yeah. You know, so it, that's the, I think that's the beauty of it. You're never going to, you're never going to get bored when you take it seriously. And when you approach kayak fishing or fishing in general as an art form. And by that, I mean, studying it, um, figuring things out. And, you know, it's, there, it's there's always something to learn because every, every body of lake is different. Every body of water is different. And even on your honey hole, different days is gonna produce different results. So, beauty of it. Um, and the fact that we can do it on a tournament and for some people actually make some money out of it, it's pretty awesome. Now, tell me about the overall experience on the KBBT, because now this is your third tournament. So you're a seasoned veteran by now in the, what we call uh, the KBBT, you know, so tell me about, first of all, talk about KBBT as an organization. How do you feel, you know, with, the, I mean, I feel like Greg Noza is doing a great job. Um, all yeah. the tournament directors are doing a great job. How do you feel being part of that organization? Not the tournament itself, but the organization of KBBT?
2: I love it. They're, they're great. Uh, <laughs> they're doing everything they can think of to promote. The organization, the anglers, anybody that's involved with it, they they make it known. And uh Greg going out and doing that the vacation and meeting different guys and talking yeah. to different guys and traveling, that's super cool. You don't see that.
3: Yeah.
2: And uh so that's awesome. I think they're doing a fantastic job and it's it's just gonna go up.
1: Awesome. And it is very true. Now, as far as the um, tournament scene, the the actual you know the in live tournament like the Hobie BOS, and by the way, um, I'll get your thoughts on the Hobie BOS because I've listened to every single angler that tournament angler brother can, I mean, just has the utmost respect and praise for AJ and the whole Hobie BOS uh, tournament. I'll get your thoughts on that in a minute. But the the difference between now going to a live event and the knockout stage, now, we know the difference. But for you, which one do you incline more to? Like, what do you rather be doing, if you can only pick one, doing a live event or doing a knockout stage challenge? Which one would you rather do?
2: Um, That's a hard one. I would. I would lean towards the live event because i like I like going to new bodies of water I like seeing mm. like each lake is a a beauty for a different reason yeah. and, uh like I don't know i just I like the experience of going to different places uh I like getting to see all the different kayakers that like I don't get to talk to very often, kind of hang out with them.
1: Pick their brains.
2: Yeah, yeah so I would have to say if I had to choose the live events. But it's close.
1: Yeah. Now tell me about your experience in the Hobie BOS. You have how many have you done?
2: I have only done one Hobie event.
1: How was that experience? Because again I every angle just has nothing but great things to say about AJ and the Hobie BS. How was that experience for you? What do you like was, most about it?
2: It was great. Uh, it was cool to see like that many anglers um, in one tournament, and the uh, like the board check. We went through that, and they got their own special identifiers. I thought that was really neat. Uh, yeah, really cool of them to do, and. It, it was a fun tournament. It's, I don't, I don't have anything bad to say about it. It was, it was very enjoyable.
1: You looking forward to doing more Hobie BOS tournaments?
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, I definitely like to do some more. Um, I'm hoping next year they come back to the river pool seven eight nine. That would be awesome. I would definitely be there. Um, I do want to travel and go to one of them like further south maybe but uh i i don't know which one yet
1: awesome man well matt we talked a lot about kayak fishing i want to get uh listeners to get to know you a little bit better outside of kayak fishing so we're gonna do a little game called what the heck so it's gonna be a bunch of questions not a lot of them some of them are gonna be fishing related some of them are gonna be uh, just goofy questions so you ready yeah awesome so first um, first question if um, I'm, I'm sorry not that one <laughs> if you can talk to a bass what would you ask them what would I one ask? question one question you can talk to a bass what would you ask a bass just one question
2: What's your favorite food?
1: <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. If you, you can go, <laughs> that's a good one. I like it. If you can go fish with someone, anybody out of history, whether somebody that had already passed away or somebody that's still here, someone that you wouldn't ordinarily have a chance to go fishing, who would you go kayak fishing with? You have one person go all day kayak fishing. Who would it be?
3: Oh.
2: Um, I'd probably have to say go kayak fishing. Uh, probably have to say Mike Iconelli.
1: Mike, Mike Iaconelli.
2: That would be such a fun day. There'd yeah. never be a dull moment with that guy. It be, no.
1: Totally it wouldn't. would
2: be so much fun.
1: That is true. That's a good choice. That's a good choice. Okay, You got a chance to break the Guinness World Record of one or the other. Biggest five limit or The biggest bass ever which one would you rather have
2: so the biggest five limit bag the biggest single bass
1: yeah one of the two guinness of work which one would you do
2: i'd go with the single bass that's true yeah I'd, i'd have to go with the single bass and i'd have a replica of that thing on my wall
1: awesome good choice um man this is uh, personal. You don't have to answer it if you don't want to. Have you ever been arrested? And if so, for what? No, I have not. Good. If humans came with a warning label, what would your warning label say?
2: What was the first part of that?
1: If humans came with a warning label, what would your warning label be? Oh.
2: Here. Shout out to Jeremy Brandis if he sees this. I am not a morning person.
1: All right. Not a morning person. (laughs) Do do not disturb before so-and-so AM. Okay.
2: (laughs) Before I catch my first fish.
1: (laughs) That's a good one. Cereal. Is it a soup? Why and why not? Is it a soup? Yes. Is cereal a soup? Why or why not? Ooh. Um, I say no. Why not?
2: I don't have an answer to that. <laughs> I don't know. It's,
1: I so what's the difference no. between a soup and a cereal?
2: Cereal is cold with milk and takes five seconds to make. Soup okay. is warm. And... Uh, takes longer to make it
1: all right well that's a good reason okay um if your office had or your work had a show and tell for adults what would you be most proud to display i'm kind of nervous about that one <laughs>
3: um
2: honestly i'd be taking my fishing trophies
1: there you go that's there you I go last one do you have a favorite? Or particular number, favorite number, any particular reason why?
2: Uh, my favorite number is thirty. Why? And I don't really, I don't really know why why I chose that number. But uh, I played soccer ever since I was a little kid, and I... one year I got the number thirty, and I think it was like my fifth grade year I got the number mm. thirty. And I had that every year until I, my senior year of high school. That was my number for soccer. And uh, I did football for a year, and that was my number for football also.
1: Soccer is thirty is kind of like a for forming number, right? Yeah, I was the
2: I was the highest number, like because we all stood in order by number, and I was always the the last guy at the end. So,
1: <laughs> That's what any okay so bonus questions any favorite soccer player uh, or you just like not Messi. a fan of watching it like
2: Messi Leona Messi. I don't watch a whole lot of soccer oh. but uh Lionel Messi is my my favorite dude
1: yeah I was uh I'm a big fan of Messi big final Barcelona I was uh devastated this weekend with that a two loss to Bayern Munich which I figured we we're gonna lose Bayern Munich has an amazing team that that's that's a dream team right there and i think they're gonna go all the way they already won their two domestic cups and i think they're gonna win the champions league and they're like mauling the competition like five zero four zero and that eight to two oh my god I was kind of hoping we i was i was like i don't think we're gonna win but i mean let's three to two maybe messy out something out of a magic hat and maybe we win but it was tough but we'll see We'll see what happens in the final. I think PSG just punched a ticket to the final. Lyon is going against uh, Bayern Munich. feel sorry for Lyon from France already. (laughs) Anyways, Mason, thank you so much. Before I let you go, I'm going to give you a few minutes to thank anybody you want to thank, any sponsors. uh, If you want to talk about a little bit about your social media, if you want to go to your social media, go ahead and take that opportunity. The floor is yours. Take as much time as you want, my man. All
2: right. I'd like to thank my dad and my uncles for getting me into fishing to start with. Uh, there's a, a great memory looking back, getting me into it. And then it's just helped me out so much since then. Like if I ever have a question, I can call up one of the three of them and be like, Hey, this is where I'm at, or this is where I'm going to. And, uh, like what's some, what's some pointers. And they're always there to help me out. Uh, I'd also like to thank all the kayak guys in Iowa. Like we're we're so close knit that we share information, we help each other out, and this past two years they've helped me out a lot. Um, like Jeremy Brandis got me into kayak or into tournament fishing. Uh, I didn't know where to start or how to do it, and he, he got me into it. Um, so that was a, that was a huge thing for me, because if not for that, I don't know if I ever would have got into it. Uh, also, like the guys like Jordan Westerman, Tom Thompson, Tyler Cole, uh, James Francis, doing live tournaments with those guys and just kind of listening to uh, what they were talking about about how they work different lures and how they fish differently. Uh, I love listening to that stuff, hoping that next time i'm out on the water i can kind of recall something they said and add that to my arsenal and catch some fish so i'd like to thank all those guys too um i i appreciate iowa kayak anglers for having their local club that is what got me into uh doing the tournaments here in iowa uh kbbt i Love to thank them for putting on such an amazing bracket tournament that mm-hmm. is completely different than any other tournament there is. It pushes the angler so much more. And uh, and I also want to thank them for interviewing the anglers and digging into no. the anglers' lives as much as they do. Because if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be on here talking to you. So uh I appreciate them for that. I want to thank you for. My pleasure, man. Up and uh, asking me to be on here—it was—it was a blast.
1: It was super fun, yes, sir.
2: Yeah, I really enjoyed it. So, thank you. Awesome, man. That's about it. All I got. I don't have any so, sponsors. I'd like some. No. Yeah. Cool, but uh, don't have. The way any you're going,
1: you might get some pretty soon.
2: Yep, that, that's so, the goal. That's what I want to do.
1: Mason, um, uh, where can my listeners follow you? Follow your social media. You have a Facebook or Instagram or YouTube?
2: Yep. Uh, I have a Facebook, um, and I also have an Instagram. I I need to get better about posting my fishing content on both of those. I I did it for a while, and then for some reason, I kind of I got lazy about it, and I didn't do it as much. So I need to especially on my instagram uh get back on there and start start posting some more things but yep facebook and instagram i have both of them
1: so what's the name of each one uh mason good mason good Uh, that's it
2: yeah i believe so i know facebook's just mason good and uh i think my instagram is also mason good
1: awesome well, Mason, thank you so much for taking the time. And I really, really enjoy having, talking to you and, you know, having you share your experience and having a fun conversation. I look forward to what you're doing next. Are you going to, um, are you having any tournaments planning other than the national qualifier? Are you plan on going on the national qualifier? I mean, I, you don't know where it's going to be, but do you plan on going if, I if, mean, if, 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 depending yeah. on what happens, you know, with yeah, all this yeah, pandemic?
2: I I for sure plan on going to the national qualifier. Um, I I might do the uh, the second qualifier in September if uh, if that's allowed, just to get back into this tournament and do the KBBT uh, more yep. because it's such a it's a it's a fun bracket. It's a different type of animal, and it's just it's so much fun to do. Um, I've got two more Iowa kayak angler tournaments this year. So I'm looking forward to both of those. And I think that might be about it for, uh, my live tournaments this year.
1: Awesome. Amazing. Awesome. So we're looking forward to seeing you, man, whether it's this KBBT this year, national qualifier or in the actual championship. We look forward to seeing what you put up, man. And, uh, Again, thank you for have, uh, giving us the time and uh, sharing your stories with my listeners. I'm sure they appreciate it. Uh, for those out there listening, if you made it this far, thank you for joining us. And Mason Good on the Bass, Kayak, and Beers Network, again, presented by Douglas Rods. So, Mason, have a good one, my friend. Have a great night. Um, talk to you later in uh, tight lines. Yeah,
2: thank you. You too. Have a good one.
0: Take care, my brother. on all your jig and tackle needs.